June is truly a glorious liturgical Catholic month dedicated to the sacred and Eucharistic heart of Jesus. This is a glorious month. Here are 10 ways to make it count. Jesus is King. Happy Sacred Heart Month, everybody. It truly is a wonderful month. I'm so excited for what's to come this month. It's really a testing ground for Catholics. Are we going to fight for the Sacred Heart in the public space or not? It reminds me of the Book of Judges. And then God gave them over to their oppressors. We need to look at this month as a holy month of opportunity. So here are 10 ways to make this count by God's grace. But before we get into that, I wanted to make a very, very important announcement I'm very excited about. And that is this icon that you see right here on the left side of your screen is the icon of the Lady of, uh, of Our Lady, the Theotokos of Fatima. And this icon is finally available for purchase. Uh, we are very happy for our patron or our uh, partners over at the Confraternity of Our Lady of Fatima which is the confraternity associated with His Excellency Bishop Snyder. And so you can go to the link below. Uh, if you recall, con the confraternity was the organization that was working to help people during the uh, COVID tyranny to help them with uh, loss of jobs and things like that. Uh, so you can buy this icon here and a portion of the proceeds help to build the Shrine of Our Lady of Fatima in St. Petersburg, Russia. And that's with our, our partners, our brethren, our Ukrainian Catholic and Russian Catholic brethren over there. So this icon is very near and dear to our hearts here at One Beer Five. We've been working on this project, very happy that it's finally coming to fruition. And uh, it was not a surprise, but it was a, it was a joyful um, consolation to me when the, the news came to me that it was finally available was around 3 p.m. on Friday, which obviously is a, is a holy hour on a Friday. But uh, as the editor of uh, a journal that is re uh, read around the world, uh, 3 p.m. on Friday is actually first Saturday, because I'm always thinking in terms of European time zones and the Aussies and Kiwis, who are 11, 12 hours ahead of where I'm at right now in uh, Eastern Time USA. So uh, she came and became purchasable on the first Saturday in June. And we've been trying to focus on June in particular with our lay sodalities as well discussed. So very happy that uh, the Immaculata put it all together. So you can go and purchase your icon now. There's various sizes. And if you can be a monthly donor, you can help us do all these sorts of things. All, the, all of these things cost money uh, to put together, to uh, promote, to have all the materials, to pay all the writers, to pay our tech support, all sorts of things like that. So we do have mouths to feed and bills to pay. So we ask you to support us monthly if possible, 1p5.com slash donate. So let's talk about 10 ways to restore June to the sacred heart of Jesus. So if anybody has comments, thoughts, all sorts of things, this is meant to be a very practical conversation about how we can do this together in this sacred month of the sacred heart of Jesus. So the the first the, and I, I included this um, wonderful book. Um, this is uh, Chadwick 
um, My Liturgical Year, published by St. Augustine's Academy Press. Uh, she's got this beautiful depiction of all these feast days in June, um, which is really great for the kids, catechizing your children. I mean, this the most important part here, especially for parents, is have, doing things that help our children understand what June is all about and how great June is. It's really a wonderful month dedicated to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. And our two lay sodalities, if you haven't joined them, that's that's a bonus, a bonus thing for you to do is to join our our Eucharist, Christianity of Eucharistic Reparation, obviously a big one this month, as well as the Fellowship of St. Anthony. We have a traditional fast in the month of June, which we discussed on our last broadcast. And uh, you can join our, our lay sodalities to help you and us. We can all do it together as Catholics. That's what's great about supporting each other to do this um, and to found these lay sodalities. And we'll talk about how you can do that yourself as well in a minute. So you can watch our previous podcast on this where we discussed about the Apostles Fast. Um, and this is a great way to offer up penance in June. And it really, we really need to think about the fact, as I said, in the book of Judges, you know, when, when these sorts of things come upon us, as they do in June, we need to realize that evil comes upon us because God sometimes removes his grace, his protecting grace from our area in order to test us. Moses says in the book of Deuteronomy, the Lord led you through the desert in order to test you and see what is in your heart. So it is no surprise really that in this, in the month of the sacred heart, God is seeing what's inside our hearts. Will we take a stand in public and be hated for the sacred, the heart, sacred heart of Jesus or not? So that is number one is restore the apostles fast. This is a great opportunity. There's lots of things to do. We discussed it at more length in the broadcast, which you can read that. So that's number one. We've already covered number one. So let's get on to number two. And number two is you do not need permission from clerics, much less the secular government to exercise your parental rights. And this is a very important point because we live in an age of clericalist hyper uber ultramontanism where there is sometimes a question about this. We need to restore a really truly Catholic understanding of the lay order that it is our role to Christianize the temporal order. That's our job as lay people. So what's in the news right now, obviously, is the Ugandan laws against sodomy etc. Those laws are the lay temporal order. That's their purview. It's their job. It, it, they've made statements where we're going to stand firm for the sake of our children. Well, that's what parents do. We Christianize the lay order. And, the, and moreover, the magisterium defines this very thing. You can read, you can read it from Vatican II. It's our job as lay people. So the Pope or the bishops or clerics or the Vatican, they can have a, I mean, they can, if they wish, they could they can critique the laws of Uganda or whatever country or a city or village or municipality or a family or whatever it is that par parents are doing, exercising their parental rights to govern the temporal order. And we can say, yes, Holy Father, we thank you for your opinion. But with all due respect, this is our job and this is our we make the final say. It's our job 
it's the job of lay people to make the final decision. We're the final judge and arbiter of the temporal order. It's our job. Except in the case where a lay ruler is committing a grave sin. Like Joe Biden, for example. When a lay ruler is transgressing the divine law of God, then the cleric can step in and excommunicate him, etc. But if this is simply a matter of a prudential judgment in the temporal order, the clerics have no right to interfere. They can certainly give us their opinion, and we welcome that, obviously, for, including from the Holy Father. But with all due respect, this is our domain. This is the lay domain. This is our job to Christianize this, and we don't need to ask anybody's permission. We don't need to ask anybody's permission to be a parent to raise our children and to defend our children. And what I say in this in this part is, um, first of all, you need to go watch this or listen to this uh, discussion over at Vande Radio about clericalism. This is a very important conversation, and unfortunately, traditionalists, we also get into this mindset because this was an issue way back in the 19th century. It wasn't something that came from Vatican II. So we need to get out of this whole mentality and restore a, a truly traditional view of the lay people. And that's where that's number two. Uh, we need to restore this understanding that it is our right and duty as parents to defend our children and the clerics can't do anything about it. The clerics cannot interfere with our governing of the lay temporal order unless we're committed to sin. So this leads right into number three. You don't need clerical permission to form a lay sodality. A lay sodality or a confraternity, again, going back to another great text or another great uh, episode from Vande Radio, is the guilds. This is a really great conversation talking about the guilds and how the guilds, perhaps you've heard of these in, in the so-called Middle Ages, which should be really called Christendom. They came out of these confraternities. People, lay people were just coming together for prayer and to help the poor. And then they realized that they needed to work more together economically. And this is it's very important that we have this spiritual confraternity and that is really the basis that's why i'm emphasizing the fasting in the very beginning we wonder why we have demons flying around our our public sphere well our lord jesus christ says some demons do not come out but by prayer and fasting so we need to have this spiritual focus first and foremost before we start doing these actions and contemplating political action and whatnot, we have to be very centralized, focused on the spiritual. We need to have the, the prayer, the confraternity of prayer, the confraternity of fasting, and you don't need a clerical position per, permission to form one of these. No lay person has to ask a cleric for permission to get together with other lay people and organize a, an organization, a regular gathering, a, a group organization to pray and help the poor and fight against the Marxists in the public sphere. We don't have to ask anybody's permission to that, do that. And this is an important part of Christendom that we need to restore. And let me just emphasize, if we're thinking too nationally, we think, oh, well, if I create this, this thing or I do this protest, 
what good will it do? What effect will it do? You know, the whole, you know, the federal government's doing this or the state government's doing this. Well, you're not thinking like a Catholic then. We need to think like a mustard seed. Just focus on your family. If, if you're ready to branch out, focus on your parish. Do this in your parish only. If you're ready to branch out there, then do it in your city only. And let it grow as a mustard seed through the organic, what Dr. Plinio says, organic society that grows organically. It glows, grows slowly. It gl- grows slowly and more strongly. Slowly and more strongly through the operation of divine grace. And that's the mentality that we need to have as we are raising our children. Because children grow up and they are formed in the faith very slowly. It takes decades for them to be become an adult, become a mature believer, a mature fighter for the faith. This is the mustard seed. And the mustard seed ultimately is the Catholic family. M. Proximus is in the chat. Hey, uh, uh, Proximus, he says, I was a beneficiary of that effort. I'm personally grateful to His Excellency for all he and donors did to help those victimized by the tyranny related to the worldwide sickness. Excellent. That's great. Great to hear, Proximus. Yeah, the, um, the confraternity has done great work, so I'm really happy that we are partnering with them for the icon. So let's continue. Number four. Again, you another important point is that you don't need clerical permission for a public procession. And this is a very strong tradition in Christendom is the lay procession. Also, passion plays, various public displays of piety that can be led by lay people with or without clerics. So obviously the the Corpus Christi procession involves the Blessed Sacrament, so that needs a cleric, should be led by a cleric. But why not take take it to the liturgy of the streets, organize a procession for the sacred and Eucharistic heart of Jesus as king of the temporal order. Enthrone him in the liturgy of the streets. It, it, it's very frightening to the Marxists for a bunch of lay people confidently singing hymns to Christ the King, marching down the street. That's terrifying to the Marxists. Here's a uh, photo I have here from the one one procession that the Spanish are quite famous for all sorts of processions and lay fraternities that put on these processions. Here's one in Spain. So, number five. Retake God's glorious sign from Satan. This, of course, refers to the rainbow. Peter Kwasniewski wrote a great article on the last day of May, May 31st, last week, right before June 1st, all about the rainbow. It it, it truly is a, a noble and glorious sign that God created in the natural world. And it needs to be retaken and rededicated, reconsecrated to its glorious purpose. And we see this in a few religious depictions. Of, of course, I we promote the liturgy of the home calendar. And in that calendar, we have this beautiful image of Christ enthroned with a rainbow. 
who's got a rainbow. And, and I think one of the key things about the true rainbow, besides the fact that it has seven colors as opposed to the false rainbow of six colors, is that it's curved. Yeah, I've never really seen uh, a pride flag that is curved because it's a flag. It's a rectangle. But the real rainbow is curved. It's a bow. It's a rainbow. It's it, it's I, I've heard one explanation of it is that it's a bow where it's it's the covenant, because when you cut a covenant, you're cutting animals and you're saying that let this cutting happen to me if I fail to fulfill the covenant. And so the, the rainbow is like a bow shooting an arrow at God because God is promising that I will keep this covenant to never flood the earth again. And so he's 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 sort of swearing against himself or 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 um, laying a curse on himself in in a in a manner of speaking, and that's why it's curved. It's curved upwards, and so th at least that's one explanation. So, but we notice that it's curved. That's the thing that makes it different. So, you know, if if we were to create banners that had Christ enthroned above the rainbow, I mean, it's kind of like it's kind of like Our Lady when she's appears in Guadalupe over the Islamic moon. Uh, it, that's a powerful symbol because it really, I mean, the rainbow truly, truly is a part of God's celestial throne. It's part of his celestial throne because he, his throne is above the firmament. He, the Lord is King above the firmament. He reigns as the scripture says, and the firmament is referring to the sky, the sky has the rainbow the rainbow is part of this celestial throne that god has created and, it, and it's really a glorious beautiful symbol that needs to be retaken and it can be done especially in a lay-led procession for christ the king in his eucharistic heart reigning over the month of june and every month on top of a rainbow can you imagine how that will transform your local community doing a procession like that Let's continue. Here's an interview from the Liturgy of the Home people. Uh, Michaela and Jeremiah Henderson, they're, they're great people. They make the calendars. Uh, number six, reach out to your friend and family member now who identifies as so-called LGBT. This is very important. And I think it's, 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 no, it's no surprise in, in some divine providential liturgical uh, governance of God that he reveals his sacred and Eucharistic heart in the month of June. And the, these, these poor souls who are lost and confused have dedicated this month to their sin, but Christ loves those souls. He loves them with an everlasting love. He has drawn them with loving kindness says the prophet Jeremiah. And we see this loving kindness in a powerful and unique way in the sacred and Eucharistic heart of Jesus. It is in the sacred heart that Jesus reveals the immense mystery of his love for us. So we really need the, 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 really the greatest way, the greatest way to restore June to the sacred heart is to allow the love of the sacred heart to flow from your heart by divine grace to the heart of some poor sinner. 
we need to truly act, speak, reach out in love and charity, in the love and charity of Christ. Jesus Christ himself reached out to public sinners, people who were cast aside in their the society of the day. And we have a situation where we we do need, especially, especially this is especially true for those who are not parents, because those who are parents are, are dealing with all sorts of, you know, taking so much time to take care of their children and protect them from various public displays in this month. But even for those who are parents, we really need to show that charity for, to these people. And especially, um, I want to emphasize that there is a Catholic apostolate that has been doing this for decades against the lies of James Martin, because he writes in his book, um, Building a Bridge, that all these lies against the Catholic Church, that the Catholic Church hates these people and the church has, has uh, you know, mistreated these people. Obviously, Catholics fail in being Catholic all the time in all sorts of ways. But there's there that it was a it's a vicious calumny against the holy mystical bride of Christ to put this on the Catholic Church and use it as a pretense for all this sorts of insanity that James Martin um, presents. Because the Catholic apostolate, which helps people with same sex attraction, is called Courage International. Courage International. And this is the apostolate that you want to connect your friend to if if his or her heart is open to it to really dealing with a same-sex attraction issue that they have that's what you want to connect them with this is a this is an apostolate that is is just for these people and and their 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 friends and families it's a really great apostolate i recommend it and uh this is what you connect people to um you know don't try to help them with this issue by yourself you want to connect them with what the church is already doing to help them. So Courage International, that's you want to look, it's what you want to uh, connect them with. So number seven is observe the octave of Corpus Christi. We haven't even delved too much into the liturgical greatness of, that is June, but there is so much greatness in June. Um, there is the, uh, it, I mean, June is dedicated to the Sacred Heart and the Sacred Heart. Jesus revealed his Sacred Heart and instituted the Feast of the Sacred Heart. And he said, quote, after the octave of Corpus Christi, end quote. So he is revealing and he is joining his Sacred Heart to his Eucharistic Heart through the octave of Corpus Christi. So the octave of Corpus Christi becomes this hinge point of the entire liturgical dedication of June to the Sacred Heart. And there's, of course, no wonder, all, you know, we know through all these different Eucharistic miracles that the, the body and blood of Jesus in the Eucharist is the body and blood of his heart. That's what we know. All these miracles are, are showing us that this is this when it turns into the Eucharist turns into flesh, it turns into the heart of the flesh of a heart of the heart of Jesus. And so he's giving us his heart in the Blessed Sacrament. And that's why it's so important to have the entire octave of Corpus Christi. Yes, this was suppressed by Pius XII, tragically. But there's so many different ways because the, the mystery of the Eucharist is so immense. And it is truly the source and summit of our faith, as Vatican II correctly says in the Mungentium. We cannot possibly exhaust the mystery in one day of celebration and one day of meditation, one day of prayer, one day of adoration, one day of mass. It can't possibly be done and especially in our own day as we are trying to promote through the crusade of eucharist reparation 
we're trying to promote this reparation and it's a great thing to do reparation for eight days so here's a great example i i mean i, I put in a few a few ideas here you know you can go to eucharistic adoration every single day eight days straight even if it's just more than one day for the whole octave and you know just and sometimes it's you know five minutes with the kids you got you know three-year-olds four-year-olds they can't make it for an hour without you know seriously disturbing the other adorers as as parents of young children know quite well um you know you can and then you can pray the the short or long prayer of eucharist reparation every day uh, you can organize an event with your parish during the octave devotions dinner a talk you can organize your lay led procession during this this octave uh we also recommend particular books to read or if you've already read them buy a copy for a priest or uh, you know your parish there's um his excellency has an entire book about the blessed sacrament it's called dominus est it is the lord that's his first book if i'm not mistaken uh, i can't remember if his first he had a he had a um interview book with a uh i believe it was a hungarian i think uh who had an interview book that may have been the first book before dominus s but dominus s is either his first book or his second book uh he also has a, a recent text by uh with Ar aurelio porfiri who is a one peter five writer called the catholic mass which is very 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 good i love that text and then kwashnevsky also peter kwashnevsky he also has uh, Holy Bread of Eternal Life, Restoring Eucharistic Reverence in an Age of Impiety. Another great text. And here, here is the, the small prayer card that we have for our crusade. You can buy these. You can bring, put them in your parish. Put them in the back of the pew or, you know, in the, in, you know, in the back where they have all these pamphlets. Whatnot. Buy a stack of them. Put them right there. That's a great thing you can do during the octave of uh, Corpus Christi. So boycotts have actually worked in the past. This is where we do need to talk a little bit about the history of boycotts and to understand the great potential that we can actually have as Catholics. So to do this, you have to go all the way back to the year 1918. That was the year that World War I ended. In that year, jazz was introduced as a worldwide phenomenon in the allied victorious powers after the Treaty of Versailles. And jazz was something that was really a, a, a French African Catholic thing in the, in the city of New Orleans. But outside of that context, it became sexualized. And this was a part of what, what I call in my book, the first sexual revolution of the 1920s. And this was where uh, the jazz uh, craze began to be spread and, and um, uh, sexualized and there was there was fornication there was alcohol etc cetera, etc cetera. but then something even worse happened far worse than that and that was hollywood started pro producing pornographic films this was in the 1920s and so this shocked the consciences of protestant america uh so you had all these pious protestants who were absolutely enraged by this production of pornography by hollywood but they didn't know what to do and they couldn't organize because they're Protestants. They were hopelessly divided against each other. So by the early 1930s, the Catholic church got involved and the cat, because the Catholic church got involved, they formed what's known as the Legion of decency. And this was a confraternity. Another example of this, uh, there was priest involvement. Thankfully we, I mean, 
let me be clear. I do want priests to be involved. I want clerics to be involved. I want them to support the lay sodalities, but I'm just telling you that you don't need that necessarily, I, especially in the, in the case of the Legion of Decency. It, was, it wasn't something that was needed or necessary to get that kind of permission, but Legion of Decency was formed in the United States. It quickly spread elsewhere. Um, and there was also, it, there was one in Germany as well um, that went through. Um, and this Legion of Decency made a pact where they committed to never watching these pornographic films. They would boycott them. And they were so effective that the Hollywood producers began seeing the effect and the, the loss of sales that they began asking the Catholic Church before they produced a, a movie. And so they gave, they started giving the screen, the screenplays to the Catholic Church, to this, to this body called the Legion of Decency, um, which would read through the screenplay and approve it before it was produced. So this is in the early 1930s, and this, this lasted about three decades. And this is also the time of really classic cinema. I, when I was in film school, we were told that uh, Citizen Kane was one of the best films ever by all standards. All, all critics agree. And that was produced during this period of the Catholic uh, domination of Hollywood. So it's not something that produced bad, bad art. It's something that actually produced excellent art. Not only that, but Warner Brothers and, you know, these these Hollywood um, production companies were creating Catholic films like Our Lady of Fatima. Can you imagine Warner Brothers today producing Our Lady of Fatima? So we have this situation. Now, how did this how did this uh, go south? Well, unfortunately, it, during the Second Vatican Council, the uh, Hollywood produced a and it happened in Germany as well at the same time it was during the Second Vatican Council that they finally broke the uh, Legion of Decency code. They produced pornography in a film called The Pawnbroker, and they used the post-war narrative, which was then very much uh, controlling the minds of people, and they used that to produce pornography. And this is was opening the floodgates. And at the very same time, Catholics had lost their nerve to fight because all of their bishops and priests were coming to town and telling them that Vatican II says that we should not continue to do that. And I'm the, I'm the bishop or I'm the priest. So you need to obey me, uh, lay people, uh, which is clericalism, obviously. So what happened was the lay people lost their nerve. Uh, other lay people just left the church. They were part of the, they were part of the revolution. And this is how pornography was reintroduced into Hollywood and into the United States and not only the United States, but elsewhere as well in the whole world. And so now we have the kind of filth that we see on TV or, you know, <laughs> nobody watches TV anymore. That broadcast, you know, all your streaming services or whatever, the movies. Uh, this is what we have. I mean, we just had a, a movie last weekend, which was about a great saint of the 20th century, which was poisoned by a sacrilege against our blessed lady, the Immaculata. It's horrible. Absolutely horrible. That that would never be allowed to be produced if there was a boycott like there once was. So I am saying that boycotts can actually work. They work before, especially among these United States. 
all that is necessary is that lay people have the nerve to fight and organize. Whether or not the clerics get involved, we do want the clerics to be involved, but it's our job to rule the lay temporal order. It's our job. That's our domain. Let's take it. Let's organize. Let's boycott. And even if it's a mustard seed, what if it's just in your own location, your own city community? Do it. And even if it's just six people, what matters is not the numbers, but the fervency of your prayers, the piety of your prayers, the fervency of your souls, your hearts. That's what matters most. So that is number eight. Number nine, reserve a billboard for next year. This is uh, a very effective. Uh, I saw this. I, I should have added that photo to this article. I saw this on Facebook, but billboards cost a lot of money. It's like thousands of dollars, but you can raise the money and it's very, very effective. So take your confraternity. You got it. You form your confraternity in your, your parish. Take that and start raising the money for next year. Buy a billboard for June and say something like June belongs to the Sacred Heart. And a bonus that I didn't even put this article. Um, take uh, buy a, a Sacred Heart flag. Buy a Sacred Heart flag and fly that during June. Buy a flagpole. Put it on your, your home. Get a bumper sticker of the Sacred Heart. Put it on your car. You can make bumper stickers. Make, make some that say June is for the Sacred Heart. Buy 24 of them. Give them to your parishioners. Give them to your, your parish. Number 10. Commit now to a penitential pilgrimage Offer it up for someone who identifies as LGBT. Again, we need to fight for the public sphere, but we also need to fight for souls with the charity of, of the Sacred Heart. And we're promoting a number of different pilgrimages this month in at, at 1 Peter 5. And if you've ever been on a pilgrimage, now's the time to start. Choose a, a pilgrimage near you. There's there's many different, there's a, a number of different pilgrimages in the United States uh, and in Europe. And we're promoting some of them. We, we, the article last week also mentioned others in uh, various places. The, the writer himself was from Malaysia talking about a, a, a pilgrimage with the Aussies over in, um, I think, Diocese of Melbourne, if I recall. There was another one in South America. And there's all sorts of pilgrimages. And if, if you don't have a pilgrimage near you, time to start one. Just find a Marian shrine and, and put a pilgrimage together. Uh, and all of this flows from that lay sodality, that lay participation and lay organization. And then finally, we are, I mean, the last bonus here, number 11, is we are dedicating the whole month of June to promoting this effort. So we are pr producing podcasts like this one. Uh, videos, short videos, for, short clips, articles, obviously. And you can be a part of this by simply sharing all those, by simply sharing those in some part, some aspect of the public sphere is social media and is the internet, even though it's sort of a virtual public sphere. And you can be a part of that. You can, you can offer this up to the public sphere by simply sharing this article. Um, this whole video may be taken down from YouTube. We'll just see, see what happens. I don't know if I've hit all the buzzwords or not but um if it's catholic enough it'll be, it'll get taken down so that's all we have 
today, 10 ways to restore June to the sacred heart of Jesus. So thanks so much for watching. Let's offer up a Hail Mary to Our Lady of Fatima under her Russian icon. Again, you can buy the icon at the link below. And then we will invoke our patrons here at 1 Peter 5 for this, this intention to fight for the sacred and Eucharistic heart of Jesus in this glorious Catholic month. In nomine Patris et Filii Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tuum diarbus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Santa Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et dorhora mortis nostre. Amen. Our Lady of Fatima, pray for us. Blessed Emperor Carl, pray for us. Saint Maximilian Kolbe, pray for us. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Jesus is King.